All wings report in. House dog, standing by. Mother goose, standing by. Lock S foils in attack position. Animal squadron ready for battle. Hello there, and welcome back to the Animal Squadron podcast. I'm your host, House Dog, and with me, as always, my co-host, my Chewbacca to my Han, because I'm the cool one, and he's cool too, but he's also kind of furry. Mother well, Goose. Hi. You're right but wait about a minute. being furry. Wait a minute, Mother Goose. Is that, is that a, a Minoc hanging on to the Falcon? I think it just might be. No, that's not a Minoc. That's our good friend, Tuck. Back with us again for another episode. He has somehow weaseled his way into our podcast. Okay, in defense of Tuck, I think weaseled is definitely the wrong word. It's more of, he came on, we thought it was awesome, and begged him to stay. I could be call sign weasel. That'd be kind of dope. It could be call sign weasel. If they could see the text messages from after the first recording session with him, he definitely weaseled himself into this podcast. Mac just doesn't want to admit that he likes Tuck a lot and was happy to have him back. I do love Tuck. I'm so happy that now I have a thing where I get to talk to two of my best buddies like on a pretty regular basis for, you know, like a... A pretty good long phone call, you know, every couple of weeks, but, you know, I created a group chat between us, and then immediately Tuck's first response was, all right, what's our next episode, (laughs) fellas? (laughs) That is exactly how I talk, too. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. But also, to be fair, too, as far as, um, you know... We've been friends since we were two, so I mean, I'm gonna be on here. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah. Well, Maybe Minoc is the perfect way to explain Tuck then. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm a I'm a stage five clinger for sure. Well, uh, see, I'm that's why we keep him around is because he just <laughs> at least he gets it. Yeah, no, I, I mean, for you, I insult myself, so it's all good. He doesn't know where uh, Admiral Akbar's from. But at least he gets some of the jokes. Yeah, so what's your guys' thoughts? Does Admiral Akbar have a tentacle penis? Elijah, this <laughs> cannot be part of the podcast. I think it's probably like, so he's a fish face, and he's the smaller fish is his dick. Interesting. Like, this cannot be part of the podcast. This is like a Patreon exclusive. <laughs> we don't even have a Patreon. <laughs> Actually, you know what? Admiral Akbar, I mean, he's deep dicking for sure. So like, it's probably like a 14-inch long trout is his penis, is what yeah. I think. I... This is a Patreon exclusive, and we don't have a Patreon. <laughs> I agree with Tuck. Uh, you know what? We've asked for fan fiction before. I think this is a fan fiction we need as well. <laughs> you know what? Good luck editing, because you're the one that has to edit this episode. Oh, I'm leaving it in. It's... It's staying really? in. You I want just my mom. You want my mother to hear about Admiral Agbor's fish dick. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? That's fine, Elijah. That's fine. <laughs> Hurt my mother's ears with your words because they're your words, not mine. Listen. You know, actually, speaking Listen. of fan fictions too, like I have a friend 
Well, actually, it's Nicole's, like, one of her childhood friends. She wrote some fan fiction about General Grievous whenever she was, like, a little girl. You oh, know, like, no. next time she's here, we should have her on the podcast. Yes, yes, no, I just, definitely want just her on the podcast. Just have her send you the excerpt of her General Grievous fanfic, and we'll read it out I, on the podcast. I'll narrate it. And it's quite sexual. <laughs> no, let's have her on, How and she can do, work? like, director's General commentary. General Grievous doesn't have sexual genitalia. Yeah, says who? Like but also, like, she was like a 13-year-old girl, man. I mean, it just happened. What do you mean, says who, Elijah? He's Dang. in the whole movie of episode three, and you'd never see him have genitalia. Listen. He literally only wears a cape. Robot That's the only form of clothing. Extendable penis. It just, you know, flattens out when he doesn't need to use it. He might. And also, maybe he's a tucker, you know? Like, maybe he just, like... Yeah, just in addition to my collection. And he's he's one of them lady boys, you know? That's what he was doing <laughs> with the lightsabers. <laughs> yeah, no, I'll I'll just put an explicit tag and you just you text your mom and say, Hey, don't listen to any of the podcasts with the explicit tag. <laughs> no, you, you can text my mother and tell her to not listen to our podcast anymore. <laughs> just... Because you guys are sick and want to give General Grievous a penis. Listen, he might, he did definitely, well, I can't say definitely, but he probably had some sort of sexual reproduction organ for a male. Yeah, I mean, he, he was. At one point before he blew up. And maybe he kept it. Maybe he was proud of that thing. Maybe it was yeah. bigger than his friends. And he was What do you mean he kept it? Like it was in a glass jar in his little sanctuary no, on that one when, planet? When they turned him into a maybe. cyborg, he requested they leave it. And also, like, you remember in Clone Wars, like, his inner sanctum, and, like, he has statues of himself? He's definitely that vain. He would keep his own dick in a jar if he was proud of it. He would. <laughs> he is a very vain he person. He is that vain. I'm so sorry. I don't think I... he was that vain. I just think I liken General Grievous to that of, like, the Predator. <laughs> like, he takes trophies. The Predator I mean, probably had a penis, too. What? The Predator probably had a penis, too. Just saying. Or yeah, some I mean, sort of reproduction organ. Once again, probably a big one, too. I mean... I hate you guys so much. I really <laughs> this wish, is the worst. I really wish our <laughs> listeners could see Max's face right now. He looks so dead inside. I've never I seen am, this. I am. You guys have ruined this episode for me. You guys have ruined this episode for me. Listen. The whole point of having Tuck on was so that I could have somebody that would understand both of us, and he has just gone so far left that I can't even control the problem anymore. Tucker doesn't even have a setup. He doesn't Listen. even have a setup. Tucker's literally doing this off of his stupid Android. Tucker agrees with you about the robot sentience. He agrees with me about General Akbar's penis. I think it's equal. It's also equal to you, sir. So I'm a, I'm a swinging pendulum. So like right now I'm with Elijah, but like you already know I'm a swing. Yeah, he'll be I'll back on your side eventually. Yeah, I'll get there. I can't believe I'm going to say this, but I would actually like to talk about Rogue One there at this point. There we go, point. and that was the whole point of this conversation. That was the whole point. Let's go. Uh, so, I will admit, I will get there when we get there, but this watch-through, I actually teared up a little bit. I, some of the character deaths, I was surprised. 
I think you'll be surprised to hear that I think I finally may have understood this movie's purpose. Really? Yeah. I'm very excited. Do you want to talk about this now, or is there a certain moment later you want to talk about it? No, I still hate Rogue One, but I do finally kind of get it. Like, it does add to the gravity of... And actually, you know what? I'm not even going to give credit to Rogue One. I'm going to give credit to Obi-Wan Kenobi. <laughs> okay, okay, sure. <laughs> because, no, there were a lot of moments in Rogue One, and I'll try to remember them as we talk about them, but, like... Obi-Wan helped me so much just love the series more. Yeah. And, like, just so much moments in that where I was, like, it made... The original trilogy, especially episode uh, four, just like so much more meaningful for me. I don't know if you guys had the same experience after your Kenobi watch throughs, mm -hmm. and I really want to watch it through again. And it's gonna—it's another tangent, but somebody has already made a full edit of Kenobi as a movie. That's awesome. That's really awesome. And I think it would play great as a movie. Oh yeah, that's what it deserves, honestly. It should be a movie. No, 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 no. Nope, nope. I think Star Wars has found a niche, and Elijah and I have talked about it on the show before. Like, I think Star Wars is meant for TV right now. I think we've I seen what they've yeah. done with movies so far, and it's garbage. I really Not think the them best. going back to TV shows is really capturing what George said Star Wars was, or one of the things that it is, or one of the things that it was inspired by, is... Um, Flash Gordon, you know, the, the series. Yeah. And, you know, it was that weekly series that you got on TV of how do they get out of this, you know, pickle they found themselves in, or how does our character come back from this devastating news that they just received? And I, I think Star Wars is thriving under what Star Wars is right now. I, I, I wouldn't want agree. a movie for anything. I, I'm 100% okay with series. Um, what I'm simply saying with the Kenobi thing is like it's it's good enough to be a movie. Yeah, is what I'm trying. To say. Yeah, but like mm -hmm. I do I do agree somewhat that like right now like that's what everyone else is doing. So let like let's take like Marvel fans, DC fans. Let's take like you know all the other fandoms. That's what everyone else is doing. And I think that we like in order is like for Star Wars fans. I think in order to stay relevant. We need these big TV shows because, yeah, like, movie thing. We can come out with movies all we want, but like with the TV shows, we stay relevant, and we stay relevant like every like, I don't know, six months whenever a new one comes out or a new season of whatever comes out. And I think it's important. Yeah, I don't think it's sure. a matter of relevancy. I think Star Wars will always be relevant. Um, I do too. But as far as being like the top dog in whatever it is, I mean. Anytime anything comes out that's Star Wars related, I mean, you can even take Visions. Um, Visions was kind of a quieter release, but I mean, you had fans like me, Star Wars fans like me, who aren't big anime fans, but like, there have been times where I have sat down and watched all of Star Wars Visions at once, multiple times. Yeah. And there are certain episodes that I like more than others. Um, the the one that's the um mirror of Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan fighting the old man, I forget what the it's Elder. called. 
The Elder. Yeah. I love that episode. Um, the episode that mirrors Anakin's story very heavily. What's? Do you remember that one, it's Elijah? The very, it's the very last one. I can look it up real quick. Uh, it doesn't matter. People will know what I'm talking about. But like that series was really cool for me. Um, the one where the girl's father is a lightsaber maker and it, it's during the time of the Empire and they get all of these Jedi to a planet, but it turns out they're all Sith besides one of them and the daughter of the lightsaber maker. That one's really good, too. Yes, um, I th actually, I think that one's my favorite, and it was the one I was least excited for, and I think we've talked about this because I was like, Jedi are supposed to make their own lightsabers, that's not how it works, and so I went in really negatively uh, with that episode, and I genuinely loved it so much. Yeah, that one was cool, um, and I, I think it really worked for what they were trying to accomplish as far as, like, the galaxy's in a terrible place, why wouldn't there be... A lightsaber maker out right. there right. that's trying to gather these people. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And Tino, the the first episode is one of my favorites too. Yeah, Tino, what did where you think he's about visions? Uh, visions, honestly, um, I had very low hopes for it when they announced it at first. I was not super happy about it. I was like, okay, like not that like. Not that I hate anime or anything, but, like, I just thought the, like, Japanese studios that make anime shouldn't be making Star Wars stuff. Yeah. Because, like, do they really get what it's supposed to be? Like, I mean, I'm, I'm very protective of Star Wars and who makes Which Star is Wars. hilarious, considering how much of Star Wars is inspired by Japanese culture. Yeah. I mean, I'm with you on that, but, like, but at the same time, too, it was still made... By Americans for Americans is what the idea. I mean, like, not the idea of Star Wars. It was made by an American that was obsessed with Japanese culture. Yeah, I get that, but it was also made for an American audience. I mean, so if you've ever watched anime, like, a lot of those, like, you can you can actually see like any show that you watch that was originally made in Japan, and like um, is dubbed or subbed or whatever you want to watch. Usually, like the culture's not the same. The um, like the their sense of humor is different. For instance, um, and like you can see the same thing with like American humor and like British humor. Like they're they're just different things. Like the way that they say things is different. No, I was just talking about how like cultures are different. Yeah. So that's why like although like there's a lot of things in Star Wars that are based on Japanese culture. Like for instance, like Darth Vader's suit is so based on like samurai armor mm -hmm. I man anyone can see that like it's still it was written by american writers and so like this uh the humor the dialogue like all that stuff fits in very well with american culture yeah and so i don't know but if you think about it like sorry to interrupt you but elijah you might be able to like get me a little bit on this like some of like the anime like clips and stuff i've seen like they seem very dry and stuff and the dialogue seems very dry and that's the problem that people have with star wars a lot that's a good point and i think i don't know it's very hit or miss because sometimes it can be very dry and other times it's like way over the top very dramatic uh screaming at each other for five minutes or five episodes while they're powering up and that's uh, what I was worried about coming to Star Wars, for the record, was the second type you just talked about. Yeah, yeah, no, I think I think that's a valid 
uh, critique. Um, I think any time somebody new takes the reins from Star Wars, it's always a little scary. Um, yeah. You know, when uh, Kathleen Kennedy took the reins, um, we weren't really sure what Star Wars was going to look like in the future. And under her, we've gotten some of the worst Star Wars projects, but also some of the best Star Wars projects. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and with Visions, like, I mean, so that was just like my initial thought. And then whenever yeah. I watched it, I was pleasantly surprised by several things. Like, for instance, again, the lightsaber maker episode and like some things like that. But also, I, I was a little disappointed in some other episodes, like the musicians one. Yeah. Tattooing I kind of like that one. I thought that one was a little weird. Like, I didn't really like it. Yeah, I think it was a very different... T- it was a very different take of the Star Wars universe because, um, you know, usually it's about fighting and battles and saving the universe. And this one was just about some kids wanting to be in a band. Yeah. I thought Yeah, I could see how you wouldn't like it. I did think it was – I liked it. I thought it was a very nice touch to, like, see the Star Wars universe, not necessarily at combat. Like, that wasn't the point of it. But I definitely could see why you wouldn't like it. Yeah. Yeah. It's Cal Kestis if he joined a band. That's true. But also, too, I mean, again, like, I'm very much a military history guy. Like, that's what I'm interested in. Yeah. And and, uh, that just didn't do it for me. I just wasn't a big fan. (laughs) That's understandable. Well, as long as we're talking about visions for a second, Tuck, what were your, like, what were your visions episodes? Um, so again, like the, uh, uh, the lightsaber maker also, I actually enjoyed, um, the twins. I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah. That's awesome. It's because like, that's interesting because I liked the twins episode too. And Elijah didn't. I, and he yeah. thought that I wouldn't like it either. And I thought he would like the twins. Yeah. Well, I, just, I thought it was so personal. That's why I liked it. It's because, no, like, their right. fight was, in all honesty, like, even if you look at the, like, their fight was personal. Mm-hmm. And that's why I kind of liked it. Um, and, like, to go further, like, again, like, military history. And, like, I've just always really thought that, like, um, human beings, when they fight each other in, like, an emotional way, like when there's emotional stakes in a fight or a battle or whatever, it makes it more interesting to me. Like, for instance, like one thing is like, so Civil War, and sorry to backtrack real quick. No, but it's like, okay. So like Grant, Sherman, Lee, and Stonewall Jackson, for instance, all fought in the Mexican War again. They were all on the same side. And so, like, for instance, like, when Grant and Lee fought each other, that's such a, like, that's just such an emotional part of a war. And that's just so interesting to me. Like, how people can go from friends one second to using their friendship to beat each other in combat. That's really interesting. I didn't know that. I find that very fascinating. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I didn't know that either. The twins, the twins, I think, is my least favorite out of all the Vision episodes, and I only bring that up to say is, like, I still think it's cool that we all, like, we're not all on the same page. Like, we have different opinions, 
and we can still you know the that. worst visions episode you know the worst one which one is your least favorite i know we talked about it but i can't remember <laughs> That dang Toby episode. Toby. The stupid Toby. And you love Toby, and I thought it was I love stupid. Toby. My, my, le- I mean, that, that <laughs> one was one of them. But then also, like, my least favorite was actually the, um, the very, like, samurai episode when, like, they're drawing lightsabers out of sheaths and stuff. Oh, the, the first episode. That was the first the one. That one was dope. The story was good. But just, I couldn't get past the lightsabers and sheets. I just thought that was so dumb. Okay, but let me ask you this. How did you feel about the fact that the sheath, if I remember correctly, was actually another lightsaber? They don't say that in there. Oh, I might be wrong. Okay. I thought he, like, got his no- light- lightsaber knocked away, and then he pulls the sheath out, and oh, surprise, it's another lightsaber. I definitely no, could be wrong, No, it's just a sheath. Oh, it's just okay. a sheath. Well, yeah. screw me then, that, I guess. That one seemed a little silly to me. Yeah, and No, that's... that one was so cool. That one, I love that one. The, and that's yeah, my whole point. Like, is... The combat was a lot of, like, not as much, like, stylistic as Star Wars should be, and it was a lot more of, like, just very, like, like, I don't know, I'm trying to, so... Like, A, I thought the lightsaber in the sheath was dumb. And then, like, B, like, the way that they moved just wasn't very Star Wars to me, and it was more like Samurai Jack. Yeah. No, I get you know that. I mean? uh, it was a lot of, like, it was like, it was like slash, move fast, gone. Okay. Slash, move fast, gone. Talking like about that. Wait, so you're talking about, Jack. like, whenever Phantom Menace happened and they slashed and then they ran fast down a hallway? The force well, speed. I mean, yeah, if you want to talk about one moment, but like, it's just, I'm trying to think of a way to put this into words. Like, it was just very much not like what usually happens in like a lightsaber battle. Yeah, no, and I, that's really, like, we all have our favorite episodes. We all have our least favorite episodes. And like, that's what great, that's what's great about Star Wars is there's a little something for everybody. Overly dramatic is actually what I'm getting at. Is yeah. that like that first episode? I think it was just a little bit overly dramatic. I get so what that's you're a saying. duel. That first episode, of the duel, is definitely what made me go, "Okay, I can watch the rest of the series, no matter how it turns out." Oh man, yeah. Tech- and then once I saw Toby, it made me never. It made me want to stop. But I, I was love like, "Nope." Toby. Toby Jedi is so droid. stupid. Jedi droid. They're sentient. No, it's only because he was programmed to be. Droids aren't sentient. Yes, he was programmed to be a Jedi. Um, no, I just feel bad, Tuck. Two of your least favorite episodes are the first two. I'm, I'm glad you kept going. Of the, they're the first. Oh yeah. Yeah, the duel and Tatooine Rhapsody are the first two episodes. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I watched it because, like, with Star Wars, I will finish any Star Wars project. That's how much. I love it. Like I, I don't. No, no, no. Wait, wait, wait. Has anybody watched Star Wars Resistance? No, I have not. Uck. It's okay, Janelle. I am eating crow right now. I'm eating crow. (laughs) I take back what I said. Wait, but did you start it? (laughs) No. Okay. Then you weren't lying. You said if you start a project, you gotta finish it. I haven't watched it it either. That's like the one thing that I haven't watched. I've heard it's really bad. I mean, like. When Lego Star Wars, like, the the newest one came out, I bought it immediately. Like, I just, like, I can't, like, I am such a sucker 
for Star Wars stuff. That's 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 my point. Yeah. Is it like so? I'm like, so like, glad Tuck said Lego Star Wars. I will watch it. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm sure we'll do a resistance watch through for the podcast at some point. But I'll do it or not. That'll be years down. That years down. Or the not. Line. Hey, wait. We that's have tech we now. Forward. We can do tiebreakers. Like it's nope. not just like a oh I think this and you think that and there's two of us so oh well now there's three of us maybe tiebreaker tuck tiebreaker tuck I can do it I'm just glad that Tuck brought up Lego Star Wars because has anybody seen the trailer for the new Lego Star Wars special I think I did it's a summer thing like a summer vacation right yeah it's summer vacation I haven't. I didn't even know that was happening. But again, low-tech tuck. It's okay. We love low-tech tuck. No, it made me so happy because whenever I'm, like, kind of down or something, I'll just go on Disney Plus, and I'll go to the Star Wars section, and then I'll go to the, uh, like, where all the Lego stuff is, and I'll just play a couple episodes of a Lego something, a Lego Star Wars something. And I watched the uh, the Halloween special the other day, and then I saw the that the summer one was coming and I watched the trailer for that and I was like, yes, another Lego special because they're the best. Well, and speaking of that kind of stuff too, you know what I watch every Christmas? I watch the really, really stupid, um, like original, um, star Wars Christmas special. Yeah. With like, you know, it's like very seventies. Like it doesn't really look good at all, but like, I, I like it. Like, it just, like, it, it's... You watch the silly. holiday special? Yeah, dude. And then also, like, I watch, um, sometimes, too, like, the, the animated one with Boba Fett. Yeah. Um, I love that. Like, it's it's animated in, like, the style of, like, the Grinch, you know? Yeah. And it's, like, too yeah. long. I love that. I love it. Like, it's stupid. I acknowledge it's stupid. But it's cool. Like, hey. It's funny because you know that the holiday, the original holiday special, not the Lego one that came out a couple years yeah. ago, but like the original holiday special is not on Disney Plus. What? Yeah, I um, I find it on YouTube or wherever. I yeah, nice. you still have to YouTube it. Yeah, that's awesome. Um. Okay, so I've got one last little tangent, and then we should probably get back to Rogue One. Yeah, considering we're like 40 minutes in and we have not even started the podcast yet. Yeah. Uh, so, Taika Watiti, sorry, I always switch the K and T in his name, but uh, got confirmed he's working on, I believe, a Star Wars trilogy or at least a Star Wars film. But yeah. um, he was, I don't know if you guys have heard about this story. Uh, he worked with I Natalie have. Portman, yeah, on the new Thor Love and Thunder, and he asked her, like, Hey, I'm working on a Star Wars project. Have you ever thought about being in Star Wars? <laughs> That's weird. Yeah, and so, so she you just didn't know. Yeah. yeah. And she just hit him with the I've been in the Star Wars movies. Uh and I you know, he played it off like, oh, I forgot, but he may not have known. I don't know. Yeah. Which Well, honestly, I mean, maybe he just has never seen a prequel. Maybe, as yeah. Maybe he's never seen one. And I hope... Or a what? I do hope that if he does... If this does actually happen and he makes uh, some films or a trilogy or just one, whatever it ends up being, that he does do a little research on the prequel era, uh, 
sequel era because i know it's it's gonna be in an era that we haven't seen in the films before i know that for sure it's old republic isn't it i think so or they might even do high republic too um but i i think he can do really really good with some star wars films but um i just thought it was funny that he asked natalie portman if she wanted to be in it (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, no, actually, I, I I actually, like, speaking of Taika Waititi, his, like, his action comedy style is actually, like, one of the reasons why, I can tell you a bunch of reasons why, but he is actually my favorite director, so I am very excited. That's awesome. That's really cool. I've even, like, watched a lot of, like, his early stuff. Like, have you ever seen What We Do in the Shadows? No, but I've heard of it. It's supposed to be really good, right? They made an American show off of it, but the original movie is – it's actually a New Zealand, like, kind of British comedy movie. Oh, nice. Well, he's from New Zealand, isn't he? Yeah, right. And he, it's it was, like, one of his first, like, big movies. It basically, it's like um, he wrote it, he directed it, he stars. And it's it's actually really funny. Like, I highly suggest it. And that's, like, honestly what made me love Taika Waititi. And then also, too, like Mandalorian made me love him. Yeah. Thor Ragnarok made me love him. I'm going to watch Thor Love and Thunder tomorrow. I'll probably love it. Like, I just I, – I really like Taika Waititi and what he does. No spoilers. It's amazing. Absolutely love Love and Thunder. I still haven't seen Multiverse of Madness, so – That's good, too, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's definitely good. You should go check it out when you get the chance. Oh, I think it's on Disney Plus now. It is. That's I- – my wife and I have a deal. That's your homework for after the podcast. You got to go watch the movie. <laughs> no, I can't watch it. Can't watch it without her. That's well, the deal, man. That's very sweet. You guys are cute. Yeah, I'd rather. I've seen so many spoilers at this point. I kind of know. Oh, yeah. I will say, like, it's exactly as was advertised. It is in, like, it is a superhero horror movie. Yeah. Or like thriller. Yeah. Like it's it's really good. It's a superhero film heavily, heavily inspired by horror, like classic horror. Yeah. Um, I really like a lot. Yeah. Do I really care about Doctor Strange? Do I really care about Wanda Maximoff? No. Well, I do. I think they're <laughs> cool. <laughs> Alright, boys. Cool. Rogue One. Uh our first scene is them after uh, the attack on the planet. I can't think of which one, but... Uh, Edu. Edu, yes. Galen Arso dies, and we get an uh, argument between Jin and Cassian. And I wanted to ask, uh, whose side are you on here? Who, who's... Who, whose side I you think taking? it's just... I think I, I thought of it as during that fight is... Like, one of the things this movie did was show that, like... The rebellion is not what we think it is because Cassian's out that he makes to Jin was that he had orders. Yeah. And he disobeyed them. You know, he didn't kill Galen, but you know, she says those were, you know, rebellion bombs or alliance bombs that killed my father. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, it wasn't it wasn't the empire. Those were alliance bombers that killed my dad. And I was just like yeah, Cassian has orders. He didn't do it, but the Alliance still killed her dad. Just like how Galen had to build the Death Star, but he didn't want to, but he still built a flaw into it. But he still built the Death Star. Right. 
Right. And, like, at the end of the day, yes, the Rebellion won, but a lot of people were still killed by the Death Star. Not as many as that could have been, but still a lot of people. That's my opinion. Yeah. I don't know. I think they both I think they both had a right to be upset. Obviously, his actions got her father killed. But on the other hand, he disobeyed direct orders to try and, you know, keep this man alive. So I don't necessarily think either one was in the right. How about you, Tuck? I mean, I think we're all kind of on the same page there. It it really like it illustrates just like the uh the duality of the situation. I mean, they're both, they both, like, one thing I think is interesting is, like, they both think unapologetically that they're right. Yeah. And that's the point that they're pushing. And I I think that it's, I don't know, it just, it, it makes for a good moment. Yeah, it, it really is. And I think it, yeah. it makes uh, later moments more powerful between the two. Yeah. Uh, I don't have anything till Mustafar. If you guys have some notes here, huh? Not well, I have Mustafar notes, but yeah, cool. You know, just don't want to jump ahead. Uh, we get to see Mustafar again, and not only that, we get to see Vader's castle and back to Darth. Yeah, yeah. And you know who is there telling Darth Vader that Krennic is there? I don't, but I, w I was watching it, and I was like, I should look up that who this old is. Man, that yeah. old man? That's Vinay from the Star Wars Halloween special. That's Vinay, like Vader's servant at the castle. Oh, cool. I haven't so seen He's like the, one of the main characters of the Halloween special that came out years later. That's really cool. I actually haven't watched the Halloween special. Sorry, boys. I haven't either. I thought you had. No, I... I went to... You told me you were going to because we were going to do an episode on it. Yes, and I looked it up on Disney+, Plus and it wasn't there. And I was like, hmm, I think Mac's lying to me. There is no Halloween special. And then <laughs> forgot about it for like a year and a half. Sorry. But Vinay's but, there! I was say with, with Mustafar, really, what I think is just that it... I mean, again, it's just a very good Vader moment. Yeah. He's so, um, like, what's the word? He's so, um, like, self-righteous. Yeah. That, like, whatever he says is law, and you're just going to do it, like, whether you want to or not. And so, yeah. like, whenever, like, um, he's doubted, he immediately chokes the guy. Like, it's just, like, it's kind of, like, again, just a very menacing Vader moment. Yes. It's cool. Yeah. It's very cool. Yeah. I completely agree. And I think, um, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, this should be Darth Vader's first live action appearance since episode three. And his first appearance under Disney Star Wars. Uh, so it was really, really important for them to get him right here. And I think they did fantastic with Darth Vader in this film. And it's the first time we, that we saw back to Darth. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and it's um, just I think his personality is right. I will say my only critique for that Vader scene. This is a small one. His voice isn't quite right. Yeah, I, I noticed that as well. That, I don't know if that's actually James Earl Jones using the voice or not, but it's you can tell. That, 
Oh, it is. Okay. Well, you you can just tell that it doesn't sound exactly like old school. It's very close. I think it. No, I think it sounds really close to episode four Vader. I don't think it sounds like Vader that we've heard in Obi Wan. That's actually. And I think that's what's tripping you up. I think that's what's tripping you up, man. Is because we've just been watching. We've been binging Kenobi very recently, and you get. You know, Hayden Christensen and James Earl Jones. Yeah. Right. So Yeah, well honestly that might that that is probably it. Like but I don't know, like that scene whenever I watched it last night was just like not I mean, his mannerisms were perfect, his attitude was perfect, his personality is perfect, but just the voice was just a little bit off. Yeah. Me. No. And you know, it's funny, I kind of disagree with you about the mannerisms and stuff. As far as in this one scene with Krennic, whenever we see Vader at the end, I agree. But I think, and maybe it's just me fanboying, but seeing Hayden Christensen as Darth Vader just felt really right. And the way that he played Darth Vader physically worked more for me. Yeah. Now, I think, I think I'm with Tuck on this one. Like, uh, just his mannerisms, I felt fit really well but i i too noticed it i didn't make an actual note of it but i was like huh his voice his voice seems a little weird but i, I think you're right mac on that mm -hmm. it's because we've been watching kenobi yeah well and what i didn't hear was uh like the reason it felt off was like um you know how like when people play like trumpets trombones like brassy instruments how they have that like brassy effect yeah like they're kind of uh it's harsh at the end. Yeah. And I almost feel like original Vader in my mind, like had a more like harsh effect to his voice. Whereas this one didn't like quite get there. I could see but you that. also got to think we were watching VHS tapes on really shitty TVs. Yeah. That Which is maybe a good point. what produced the grassy effect. Maybe that wasn't how it was recorded. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. The audio quality is much, much better now. Yeah. We're watching it in Ultra HD on flat screen TVs with yeah. or without sound systems, depending on what you have. I don't have a sound bar or anything, so I don't know what you guys have, but I mean, that could also be it. No, but I, I kind of agree. His voice does sound different, but I mean, the other thing that really got me about that scene with Vader is like the interior design of Vader's castle is just, it's so mechanical and yeah. bare. And I mean, they really nailed Vader's castle. Yeah. 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 It looks it's really clean. Clean, yeah. but also, like, dirty and menacing. And, like, yeah. it makes you, like, as much as I want to explore Vader's castle, man, I wouldn't want to go there at all. Yeah. Maybe well, after honestly, he dies. what it reminds me of is, um, like, in Harry Potter, you ever, like, you remember, like, the Ministry of Magic? How it's, like, that yeah. black tunnel? Mm -hmm. You know, uh -huh. like it's clean, but it's also kind of scary. Yeah. I think, yeah. I think it's kind of the same effect where it's like it's dark, but like in a I mean, of course, dark is a menacing way, but it's like it's it's dark and clean and scary all at the same time. Yeah. And I really like it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So I have to ask, be careful not to choke on your aspirations, director. Cringe or not? It's cold. It's fire. I love that line. Top honestly, five Darth way, Vader lines. I think honestly, the way he spoke it, 
like it's almost like he doesn't even mean it as a pun. He's just saying. Like, he, like I don't know. I thought it was one of those moments where it's like, this is Darth Vader being Anakin Skywalker, because Anakin Skywalker would say some things like that. He would well, say yeah. some some weird, funny stuff like that. Like I think that's Vader coming out or Anakin coming out in Vader whenever we hear those kind of things. Yeah, well, I mean, I do get that. And also, like, to revisit um, in the uh, novelization of Episode 3, there's that scene when Anakin kills all of the uh, Confederate elite. And during that scene, he makes a lot of puns like that as he's killing them. And... um, uh, I will say, like, yeah, like, I, I do think, like, Anakin would have said that, but it's just the way he said it was just so much more, like, old, menacing, yeah. and, like, it was a lot more, like, it wasn't, it wasn't Anakin anymore. It was Darth Vader saying it. Yeah. It was yeah. Darth Vader saying it, but it was definitely, like, in an Anakin personality behind it. A little bit, yeah. Like, like I, I mean... And this is obvious for like an Anakin that has been twisted, right? Oh, I yeah. mean, think of Episode Three at the beginning of Episode. This is where the fun begins. Like yeah. they're literally in one of the biggest space battles of the Clone Wars, right? And Anakin's like, "Oh, this is where the fun begins." And then five seconds later, clone troopers are blowing up. There's Buzz droids on Obi Wan's ship. Yeah, R four gets his head decapitated. Yeah, rest in peace, R four. You will be missed. By no one. By me. Because droids are sentient and they deserve to be mourned. <laughs> so are we done with Vader's castle here, boys? Yeah, that's all yeah, I've got. Okay, so from one cringy line to the next. Back it's... on Yavin 4 with the Rebel Alliance. Rebellions are built Re- on rebellions hope. Rebellions are built on hope. Oh my gosh. I don't care who you are. I tried to be more open-minded this watch through, but that line gets me every time and makes me want to burn this movie to the ground. I actually didn't mind it. I have really hated that line for a long time, but this watch through, I was like, eh, it's not that bad. What I think on, on that line is... Uh... Like, so again, in the context of the movie when it came out, it was like the first, like, new Star Wars movie that we'd had in a long time. Yeah. And it was, I mean, honestly, I think that it was just fan service. Like, it's the same thing as, like, in episode seven, um, whenever we see the Millennium Falcon. I don't know about y'all. Well, actually, I do know because y'all were there with me. You remember, like, the whole room when you're watching it erupted in claps yeah and it's fan service it's silly fan service but it it works yeah is what i think um there's actually another line i wanted to talk about just before that and we can come back to the rebellions are built on hope hope line if you want but uh one of the generals leaders says uh they're talking to the one guy the white man that we hate that gives Cassian his orders. Um, and she says, if it's war you want, you'll fight alone. Now, in context of this film, okay, yeah, maybe they make it seem like the Rebellion hasn't been officially at war, but 
We see in Rebels there have been many, many battles between the Rebellion and the Empire. Nothing major, but, you know, small skirm skirmishes here and there. Yeah, that wasn't well, the also... main rebellion. That those were just cells, and they make that clear in the show as well. Yeah, like, there they're... were many cells of the rebellion, and cells, then they finally they... meet like the the big wigs of the rebellion. Yeah, you know, Bail Organa, your Mon Moth, your Mon Martha, Mon Mothma, like those characters. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I will say though, like to that point, what's interesting to me though is like if you want a war, you're gonna have to fight alone. But yet, they've been building X-Wings for 10 years. They've right. been training personnel. They've been recruiting personnel. And then also on top of that, too, whenever like the big space battle comes, as soon as the Mon Calamari ships arrive, um, the Imperial officer guy points and says, um, those are rebellion ships. Yeah. Like, you've seen them before. Yeah, and so it's obvious to me that they're just like it that line is kind of off character because like they have been fighting. Yeah. And they have been trying to win this thing the whole time. And also too, like when the movie ends with Leia being seen, like right before episode four, you can also tell that like, I mean, she was there on an approved mission as an important like VIP type person, and she was already basically a general at that right. point and like i don't know in order to have a general you have to have an army is what i well think. that's because so the whole thing was and we might as well just get a more head in that that specific specific scene is whenever mon mothma and bail organa leave that meeting right before you know cassian and Jin kind of build their own rebellion within the rebellion is Mon Mothma and Bail are having that conversation um, about finding uh, Obi-Wan. Yeah, about finding Obi-Wan. And I mean, that scene hit way harder after Obi-Wan, not gonna lie. Yeah, for sure. I agree. definitely But agree. Bail also mentions, you know, he knows the perfect person for the job, which he's talking about Leia. Right. Which is why she's there mm -hmm. on the Mon Calamari ship, but more. Uh, she's actually on the Tantai Four, which is actually within the Mon Calamari ship. Right. Um. But yeah, that that's who he's referring to. So that's why Leia's there. Yeah. Oh, I think. But I don't know. I just basically the line just is kind of off of what they're trying to push in that scene. But I do think it kind of. Um, I mean it. It works for what the movie is trying to do. Yeah. Yeah. No. It works for building uh, conflict and heading toward a climax. Yeah. That's what it works for. I, and I, I think that was my big problem with Rogue One is that, like, you knew that this movie just had to keep being pushed to this certain point to where we weren't ever going to see these characters again. Everything was going to end in bloodshed. And I think that was my big problem with Rogue One is that, like, if you're going to make this movie about these characters that are just going to die, why even make it? Like, I get a lot of it added to, like, certain parts of the rest of the universe, yes. But, like, in my opinion, this movie could have been a comic book, man. It, it yeah. could have been, but I, I am actually really happy that it was made because we're going into it with, um, uh, we're looking at it from 
our perspective of growing up with Star Wars, but there are going to be millions of people who are going to watch Star Wars for the first time, you know, kids who are, you know, five, six, seven right now who are almost, are either starting to watch it or almost old enough to watch it, who are going to watch it in a um, chronological order, you know, episode one to episode nine, and they'll see um, Rogue One with fresh eyes, not knowing what happens in five, I almost said five, seven, and eight, but <laughs> four, five, and six. Um, yeah. You know, so I think this will be a really important movie for them. Um, and Tuck, you had Nicole watch them in chronological order, right? Yep, that's how I like to watch them. So yep. did you do uh, three Solo, Rogue One, four, or did you skip Solo and Rogue One? Uh, no, I did um, three. I think actually, so, I mean, chronological order, again, like, I think is a little bit loose. But, like, I think we watched um, three Clone Wars or no, I'm sorry, we watched two Clone Wars 3, and then we watched, um, I want to say Rogue One, then Solo. Okay. But anyway, yeah. But the, so she watched Rogue One before watching Episode 4. Yes. Okay. Because there's a lot of questions, and that's why I, that's why personally I like Rogue One is because I acknowledge that honestly it is kind of a one dimensional movie. Yeah. Yeah. It is a little bit fan service and it is a little bit like, um, not truly a deep star Wars project, but I think what it does and what it does very well is clearly answering some questions that you would have if you watched episode four and that was it. Yeah. You watched episode four, and that was it. You didn't know anything else. I think the first thing you should watch after that is Rogue One, because then you understand, like, you know, why is there a random hole in the Death Star that a space wizard can hit with a torpedo? Like, And you can understand, like, you know, like, who is Darth Vader? Why are we so afraid of him? And, like, what is the Rebellion? What is the Empire? And I think the Rogue, like, Rogue One answers a lot of those questions. Even though, like, the characters honestly are a little bit expendable and the movie is one-dimensional, it still is important to watch it, is yeah. what I think. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Um, yeah. So what did what did Nicole think? Like, did you talk about Rogue One and Episode Four and kind of their connections at all? I tried to hide a lot of that stuff. Yeah. I tried not to. Did she understand, though? Like, yeah. I, I don't mean to make her sound like an idiot, but, like, whenever you watch Rogue One and then you watch Episode 4, was she, like, able to understand if those movies happen, like, literally within moments of each other? Um, so that was actually the one thing I told her, was that, like, by the way, this movie we're about to watch takes moments, I mean, takes place, like, right before Episode 4. And she was like, okay, cool. And so we watched Rogue One, and then we, so that was the one thing I had to say. And that's because, again, like, you don't really get that many, like, you see Bail Organa again, for instance, but other than him, there aren't really a lot of characters that are still alive when episode four happens. So, like, yeah. I think it's very important to, like, 
I just explained that one thing that like it's right before and uh, she watched it. And actually like one thing she said, as far as rogue one does is like, um, I don't know if like, if knowing that like where the death spot week, like the death stars uh, weak spot comes from really mattered watching them in that order. Cause then like, it just made sense. Like, okay, we knew there was a weakness. They yeah. exploded dead. Um, but one thing she did say was that like, basically it, like Rogue One, what it does is like it really establishes Vader mm-hmm. as actually like intimidating before episode four. Yeah. Like it actually like it makes him someone to be truly feared right before. And it's because the ending scene of Rogue One is I think my favorite Vader scene of all time. Yeah. It's it is it is amazing. And I think it was yeah. mine until we got kenobi and but you know well yeah we've already yeah. talked long about that but yeah. it I'm was amazing podcast, because we talked about kenobi last time or i guess in the order these episodes come out it may be next time i don't know but uh um, uh this one one thing i will say is just like it really like kenobi vader is i will acknowledge cooler than rogue one vader but like this was like as far as people who lived it our first chance to really see like a truly like modern scary vader yeah i completely agree um okay so i think the only thing i really have for these last two scenes is i wrote in all caps bail don't go to alderaan uh r.i.p miss you buddy uh, oh man, I just realized that. Yeah, because he's Bill's like, going to die. Yeah, because yeah. he's he's like, I'm gonna go tell my people we're going to war. See ya. Yeah. Yeah. Oh no. This is literally. And he also like very hopefully runs to his starship. That's the last time he's him. He's sprinting. Yeah. And yeah. then he goes home and gets blown up. Damn it, Elijah! <laughs> I'm sorry. Someone had to say it. Someone had to say it. Um, and then I love the uh, K2SO line where he says uh, he says something nice to Jen, and I'm mad at myself for not writing it down because I don't remember. But then he's like, and then she says, said I Cassian had to. said I had to. Yeah. Right before that, though, did you either of you guys notice that they call for General Sandula on the base intercom? Yeah. Right before that. I did, yeah. That's interesting. No, I didn't notice. Who's General Sandula, Tuck? Who? Yeah. I like to play this little game with Elijah <laughs> where he like says things after I make statements and then I say, Well, who's that? And he's like, Oh yeah, and then he doesn't know who it is. I mean, I will do a little bit of fan service and say, I don't know, Mac, please tell me. That's nonsense. That's what Elijah does. I already know who General Sindula is. I also know, but are we sure which one they're talking about? That's true. It could be either one. Yeah. No, he's too young. He's too young. He's still a boy. No, I'm talking about her father. Because I I don't know what happens. I haven't finished Rebels, so maybe he gets killed off. But as far as I know, he's still alive. Who are you talking about, Tuck? Because obviously Elijah and I both know. Again, I'll, I only watched two seasons of Rebels, and like I know that they're one of the main characters. 
but I've forgotten. That was like three years ago. It's, it's General totally, Harris and Dula. It's totally okay, uh, Tuck. I forget who characters yeah. are all the time. Yeah. No shame. No shame, Tuck. Boy, Don't, she, she made it general and imperial? Like in the Empire, she was a general? No, a uh, rebel general. Is Tuck high right now? Oh, yeah. yeah <laughs> it's no, okay. I, no worries, Tino. I we're talking Empire for a second. I'm sorry. Yeah. No, they're still on Yavin 4. Right whenever Jin leaves the meeting and before Cassian meets up with her and everybody says we're going to do a rebellion within the rebellion, they call for Harrison or they call for General Sindula on the intercom. Right. On the Yavin 4 base and we can only assume that they're referencing Hera. Hera. Yeah. Because we do see Chopper in this movie as well. Do we? Did I miss it? Chopper's in Rogue One. I, I believe you. I just must have must have missed it. I did too. I didn't know. Okay, so timeline-wise, like, release dates. Rebels versus Rogue One, like, which came out first? Rebels because... Oh, no. was it? Rebels because Rebels is on Disney XD. Gotcha. Which probably only maybe, like, one or two people... Had watched... That listen to this show may know what Disney XD is, but... Which Disney XD was actually a later form of Disney, wasn't it Disney X that used to come on? Yeah. Yeah, it was like Disney Jet X or whatever that used to come on Saturdays, and they played old cartoons like okay. Power Rangers yeah. and. So yeah, it was, wasn't it basically meant for like Disney, but like not little kids? It was yeah. kids. It was it was for tweens. Yeah. Disney X or Jet X, whatever it was called for, it was for tweens. They had that one show. The was it Chaos? Do you remember that one? That seems familiar. where they would go. They would go into the card game and they became the characters that they yes. had. Yes, yes, I do remember that. Chaotic. It was chaotic. called Chaotic. That show was dope. Okay, so I looked it up. Uh, Rebels first aired in 2014 and last aired in 2018. So technically, before and after. Rogue One. <clears throat> but Harrod was only allowed to watch Bible Man, so he doesn't know about Disney Jet X or It's okay, Tech. Oh, I was well, also only allowed I mean, to watch Bible, Bible Man. Man. Say what you will is still something that I find interesting. It's like to be honest with you, writing's terrible. Acting's awful. terrible. Awful, yeah. Um, CGI's awful. Um if you if you are someone who um didn't grow up with it, you probably shouldn't watch it because you'll be deeply disappointed. Yeah. But as someone who was like four or five years old, I loved it. But also, like, I was very simple at <laughs> four or five years old. Yeah. The only thing that I still think is cool from that age, Bible Man, still lame as hell. It was lame as hell whenever I was four and five. The only thing that's still cool is like the special episodes of VeggieTales, like the Pirates episode and the Lord of the Rings episode, yeah. like the VeggieTales specials. Like those are still Lord dope. Lord of the Beans. And actually, those were actual movies. Yeah. Yeah. And like um, uh, Jonah, you remember that one? Like the mm -hmm. whale and all? Yeah. Uh, that was I mean, the Pirates one. Yeah. The Pirates oh, yeah, don't, do the don't do anything. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah, yeah, those are those are dope. Yeah, but I'm Everyone with you, Chuck. I'll get down to some Bible Man. Yeah, Bible I Man mean, sucks. That nostalgic value. Oh yeah, no, yeah, Bible I mean, Man sucks. But I'll I'm rocking with Bible Man, and yeah, Bible Man's rocking with me. I grew up in a me. very conservative <laughs> household, and I stand by Bible Man because yeah. 
he did quote scripture to me and he did his job of like teach me what the bible says yeah. even though it's you know what you know who's you know who would beat up bible man larry boy Larry Boy oh. would crush Bible Man. Larry Boy versus Bible Man. I don't. I don't know. I don't know. I like it, dude. Honestly, we should have like a like we could do like a special episode where it's like Christian kid TV show character death match, and it's like literally yes. like they're in like an octagon and they have to fight each other. Yes, I've been learning how to um, what's the word? Uh, frick. Power scale characters. That's what it's called. I will power scale. Larry and Bible Man. <laughs> have them fight. Uh, uh, my next note isn't until uh, they're about to go in the the gate, the little fence, the planet wide shield. Okay. Well, what do you got? Oh, Bodhi's Han moment when they're about to go through Bubble Gate. Yeah. Bodhi's Han moment. I like that. What does he say? Whenever Han's talking... So it, it kind of mirrors in episode 4 whenever they're trying to break Leia out of the prison or the detention level and he's talking to that guy on the intercom and Bodhi's talking to the guy on the intercom oh, to try yeah. to yeah. transmit codes. Right. It's very similar. I see it. Uh, my note was um, they're talking about if it doesn't work they're all going to die in the vacuum of space, and K2S But not like, me. Not me. I can survive in space. <laughs> Dude, he is my favorite character. If it if K2SO wasn't in this movie, I would have never watched it. Besides the original time watching it with you guys. Yeah. Well, I'm glad... Not even for this podcast would I have watched it again. That would have been a Tuck and I solo episode. Yeah. Yeah. Sans mech. Yeah. yeah. Now, K2SO, I will say, is actually, yeah, he is my favorite droid. He really is. It's him and then BD1 from, um, uh, what, um, Fallen Jedi. Order. Fallen Order. Yeah. Thank yeah. You. <laughs> yeah. All amazing droids. I think, I think, yeah. I can't remember if we talked about it with you, Tuck, or if it was on a different episode, but we definitely got a do a like top five droids ranked video yeah i'd love that it may have been an after show talk with tuck possibly or also, might have been... i would love it if like it really got very serious and like at the end we're all yelling at each other at each other for the... who's the best droid yeah for sure yeah. for sure <laughs> um okay i just labeled this section prep that's literally all I wrote in my notes was um, kind of them landing on the planet, uh, breaking up into teams, setting the bombs, getting into the building, like pre-Battle of Scarif. Uh, what are what are your guys' thoughts about this section? I think is like, Jin makes that big speech, right? Oh, she's yes, like, the we'll, speech. We'll, we'll take the chances as, you know, chances come, and whenever the chances run out, well, I guess that's it. And I was kind of like... They knew it was a suicide mission from the start with the way she makes that speech. And then her and Cassian and Bodhi have that talk. They're like, you know, Bodhi asks, he's like, well, what's my job? And Cassian tells him, you know, you just keep the engines running. You're the only way we get off this planet. Right. And I'm like, but Jin's speech, like literally, uh, what does it mean? 
what's the word I'm looking for whenever you're like you're saying uh the opposite of uh not correlate but I'm not sure. Yeah, I mean basically she I mean she's telling them they're all going to die. Yeah. But <laughs> I I felt more of like it was a um we win or we die. This or that, yeah. not necessarily yeah. uh, 100% we're going to die. Yeah, but I mean, it, it was very like suicide mission from the start, and then they tell Bodie, like, you just keep the engines running, buddy. Yeah. Like, maybe it's just because that's pretty much like all Bodie was good for. Like, he got the message to him. He's just a pilot. Like, his character has kind of served his purpose at this point. I think it was a little more than that because I think it gave them not just Bodhi, but it gave everyone a little hope. Like, hey, there's a pi the pilot staying on the ship to get us a way out if we make it. We win or we die. Yeah, but Bodhi kind of sucks at everything besides being a pilot. Hey, they couldn't have won without Bodhi. He was an important member of the team. The way your voice went right now reminds me of that video where it's like, It's ma'am! So... <laughs> Just uh, side note. <laughs> and then one of my last things is, is this scarif for Florida Keys? Because I can't tell. I like it. I thought the the setting for this battle was really cool. I think it's something we haven't really seen yet. At least at that point in Star Wars. A nice, like, jungle beach. Yeah. And with, um, I mean, the tropical troopers. That was kind of cool. Yeah, and I... The shore Troopers. What? The Shore Troopers. Very cool. Yeah. Did you guys know? So, the Shore Troopers... I saw a video on this recently. That was actually a special duty for the Stormtroopers. Yeah. Like, you yeah, had to I go... Yeah, you had to go and you had to become... You had to, one, be eligible for the program. And, like, test into the program. And then, like, it, it was a special duty. That's really cool. Also, you had to be an you had to be an officer. No, you could be you could be a sergeant. Huh. Is that NCO or is that um, CO? I don't know as far as imperial ranks, but the lowest ranking person in shore troopers was a sergeant. Yeah, but I, I mean, I, I guess I thought that was still an officer. It might be as far as the imperials go. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know my imperial ranks. Maybe. Yeah. You guys know so much more about the military than I do, so. Eh. Yeah. Well, unfortunately for me, the the military I know about is um, old, mostly pre Civil War, so yeah. that was like over 150 years ago. So. <laughs> gotcha. And that's only American. <laughs> is really yeah. the only thing. So. Um. Okay. I think the only note I had before the battle really starts is K two S O violating that other k2 unit yeah the other yeah. security well not just that but did you how do you guys feel about um how they used whenever they were scoping out that one part of the base before they were about to blow up the uh like set off the explosions they used um like the old binos but like the visuals yeah like it visually looked like the old binos that we see in episode four I liked it because, like, while our technology has obviously changed and gotten better, this is moments before episode four, so obviously they'd be using the same technology. I think it's always a gamble, though. I mean, I'll leave this as an open-ended question for both of you guys, but, like, 
I think it's always a gamble because like we know that's how Star Wars binos always work is they always kind of look kind of grainy because I mean that's how they looked like whenever we saw them in the old trilogy yeah but would it bother you so much if maybe they looked a little bit better or does does Star Wars binos always have to have kind of that grainy image that we've been accustomed to I enjoy the graininess but also I wouldn't be upset if they were clearer yeah but yeah, I but also I do enjoy the graininess. I think it's kind of fun. Yeah, I think I think I'm with Tuck on this one. Like, I I think it works. I'm happy it's here, but I probably wouldn't be too upset if they changed it. Yeah, I think it always kind of brings us back to like Elijah and I have talked about it before on the show. Like, there are just there are certain things, and I mean, like as cheesy as it sounds, but like I feel it in my you know like as cheesy it sounds like i feel it in my soul like there are just certain things like whenever you see them in star wars it's just like there's just something as fans that like you just you feel it you feel it in your chest like you feel it in your heart like there are just some images in star wars or whenever they do certain things like you just feel like you're home you feel like that's like your safe place like whenever it comes up in obi-wan whenever obi-wan uses the binos and it's really grainy and stuff like that's just one of those things where it's like Man, it doesn't matter what kind of media I'm seeing. It doesn't matter if it's Boba Fett or Mandalorian or Obi-Wan Kenobi series or Rogue One or Solo. Like, whenever I see binos look this way, I know I'm home. It Just like as controversial as the um, sequel series is. Yeah. Whatever you know, that trailer came out and we can all remember it because we all watched it together. We all remember whenever it came out. We may not have been together for sure or not, but whenever we all first saw that trailer for the sequel series and we heard Harrison Ford say on board the Millennium Falcon for the first time since, you know, the 70s and say, Chewie, we're home. Mm -hmm. Like you just, that feeling, that feeling you got, like it's special. Yeah. And that's just one of those things. Like, something as small as old grainy bino visuals give me. Yeah. No, I, I that get it. That was a very long tangent that I just went off of, of okay. something that's not very important. It's it's the feeling of Star Wars. But also, yeah. something, something like uh, equal to that is like um, in Clone Wars, whenever Rex uses like his, uh, his monopod. Yeah. Is, is monocle um you still get that grainy feel right and it's also yeah. like it, it's cool and then also like for me like another thing like just visually one thing i really like is like and again i'm a pretty cool kid we all are yeah and um like whenever vader's helmet first comes on and you can see his hud light up and his lenses Mm -hmm. as it's coming down and like it's red with the with the crosses and stuff like it looks a lot like the binos or like um one thing i like too is like the um uh the maps whenever like in rogue one they're plotting their attack or whatever and it's those weird like geometric shapes like just flashing across the screen yeah i love that i love it i think it's really cool and also i'm a sucker for maps but it's really cool I, I get it. I get it. It is. It's really cool. No, it's cool. just, it's those feelings you get. Yeah, for sure. Um, and then 
we get the bombs going off. Yeah, right, right before the bombs go right off. Right before and the it's something bombs that we off. always mention. Sorry, you know I always have to do it in of every course, Star Wars movie. Of course. They talk about it, and we've done it since we started the show, Elijah. The stormtroopers that always seem to be together and are talking. Remember, oh, Chiru. Yes. Yes, yes Chiru exactly is taking out the, the troopers together. Mm -hmm. These two troopers are walking together, doing their normal patrol on the beach. And one mentions to the other, he says, Hey, I don't know if you've heard, but the T-15s are obsolete. Yeah. And you and I always talk about the, the T-whatever number mm -hmm. they are in whatever series we're watching. And I, I just saw it and I was like, I kind of thought about it today whenever I was watching it because I'm not going to lie, this second half of Rogue One was kind of rough for me. I didn't really want to do it. <laughs> but I heard that line and I was just like, it made me think about the podcast and where we're at now and now Tuck's on the podcast and it's great. And I love it that like another one of our best friends is here to like, Talk like experiences with love. us and like yeah. yeah and how long we've been doing the show and how far we've come and i was just like i thought back to like our really early episodes and i was like we used to point out the t like t whatever lines and like i kind of i'm not gonna lie i kind of it just it really made me sit down and think about it and i was like man yeah. we've come a long way we we really have we really have and we still have a a lot lot to go um yeah uh, so yeah, then we get the bombs going off, and I this is actually one of my favorite moments uh, in this film because we get it from the perspective of um, the Imperials. They're in their uh, control room or whatever. They're chilling. It's just a normal day, and then all around them, bombs just start going off, and everyone is just silent and speechless until Krennic, you know, tells them to, you know get moving, whatever he said. I meant to write the... Deploy I, the Harrisons! Deploy the Garrisons, yes, and he gets everyone going, but that moment just felt so real. Like, you could just... You could feel the shock and terror in that room. Does anybody yeah. else remember that meme, though? Yes. Deploy the Harrisons? <laughs> it was just a, a visual of, like, stormtroopers running through the water, but their faces had all been replaced with Harrison Ford's face. Nice. <laughs> nice. Uh, now, yeah, Tuck, uh, you can say something? Was, uh, like, what I liked was, like, whenever he says deploy the garrisons, he, he fell down, and, like, it's... You can just see the panic in his face. Like, he's absolutely a military officer losing his mind yeah. because like they're being beat down by these rebel scum these like you know what they think of as inhuman incapable apes right are absolutely crushing them at, yeah. for a second and he's just like deploy the cars like he's, he's absolutely panicking and i love it i think yeah. it's really well cool. i think not only that but like i think whenever you think about you know the empire in and of itself like you think it's all these really strong military minds and i don't really think that's the case i think there's really big figureheads and then behind them are like these um military minds that talk talks about like you know krennic and tarkin and a couple of the others that we see but like for the most part when you think of the original trilogy like the top leaders in the empire that we see like these officers they're just bumbling idiots yeah yeah, and I, I really don't think that's for comic relief or anything. I think it's to show that, like, the Empire was just 
Yeah, it was the grand machination of Palpatine's plan. But he also just put these people into power and was like, hey, you're now um, the leading officer of this whole garrison and you just need to figure it out. And I think that really shows, especially in this scene, because Krennic obviously has military background by the way he acts. Because if you look at the explosions and you look at his reaction, he can immediately tell that, oh, you know, this just wasn't an ex uh, an explosion that happened at the fuel depot because... You know, stormtroopers were gassing up the tank and uh, one of them dropped his lit cigarette on the ground and it blew up. No, that's not what happened. This was a direct attack by, you know, terrorist forces, which right. to them are, you know, the rebels. Because the explosions, the way they go off is a very key indicator that they were attacked. Yeah, it wasn't just one explosion. It was multiple explosions all over the place. And if you look at the explosions, they're timed. Yeah. So you yeah. can see the movement and you can map where most likely the rebels' position are now. Right. Because the way that the bombs go off, which is exactly how a terrorist strike moves, you can tell where they were first on the way that the timing of the bombs goes off. Because obviously your first bomb... Was set first. Will set first because they're moving along the path of the bomb so they can get clear of the blast path. Right. Right. And that's why, like, honestly, that whole scene, that whole, like, fight over the force field scene, to me, is just very, very, like, picturesque and um, accurate of what, like, a classic naval toe-to-toe -to -toe battle looks like. I, mean, I really think that that's like very again just as a military history guy it's just it it made me happy because of the way they coordinated that scene yeah it was very much like um oh what movie is it um i want to say it's on it's called on the far side of the world but anyways it's it's a movie about like this british officer and he's chasing this french ship in this darkness and in this like open water of like the, the Napoleonic Wars. Yeah. And they're chasing each other. They're firing at each other. They're playing chess, you know, just like over and over. You see that in that movie. And that was like, that's kind of how that scene made me feel like they like, it's just, it's two play. It's two main characters playing like, Navy chess against each other. And yeah. I think it's really cool. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Um, so before uh, before that uh, over the force field battle starts, uh, we kind of get the rebellion like, oh, hey, they're on Scarif. Maybe we should join them. Maybe we should go help. Uh, and we get to see our boys again, R2-D2 and C-3PO. Just yeah, for a moment. Boys. But I thought it was awesome to see them again. Yeah, and while that, uh, whenever they flash back, right before they go to Yavin, um, the Imperials are freaking out, and it flashes back to Tarkin for for just a second. I forget what the dialogue is, but um, I finally figured out what the CGI in this film looks like. We okay. kind of talked about it in in part one, Elijah, um, but Tuck knows because I know for sure he's seen it. Is you. They tried really hard for it to look good, and like I said, we talked about it in part one, and it did look good for yeah. the time. Yeah. But it really looks like 
the the CGI in this, and I don't why I don't know why Tarkin's looks more like it than Leia's does whenever she appears later in in the film. Yeah, it looks exactly like uh, the Beowulf movie that came out in the in the two thousands. The CGI, Be- excuse me, Beowulf. I'm I'm sorry, my friend. I'm gonna have to hard disagree. Like I. It does. It does because it there's parts of so that Beowulf that looks Beowulf. really. No, I'm not saying it doesn't look better, but there's parts of that Beowulf film because I remember the first time I watched it. Actually, the first time I watched it, I'm pretty sure was with Tuck. Yeah, okay. we were up at like three o'clock in the morning. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Tuck spent the night at my house when we watched it, and uh, like that movie was crazy because it looked really real at certain parts, and other parts looked. Like, it was CGI, like, really heavily. But there were parts of that movie that looked really real. And I think a lot of this film, whenever it comes to those characters, especially Tarkin, looks like that. Hmm. I, honestly, I, I will say I I disagree. Like, Tarkin, I think, looked more real to me than Leia did. Mm. Yeah. And it's because, like, the CGI Leia, I felt like had, like, more makeup on, for instance, than the original character. Like, you can... Um, like her, her, the color on like her cheeks doesn't look the same. No, it's a lot more red. Yeah. And I think that's, that for me is what kind of like, as far as CGI is like, okay, yeah, like this is a little bit too, uh, they're trying a little too hard. Whereas like with Tarkin, I actually felt like he looked pretty realistic to me. Yeah, I don't know. I never really... The CGI for those two characters never really bothered me too much, but um, I don't know. I'll have to go. I will go watch Beowulf again and like try and compare the two because I haven't seen it in so long. I try to watch it every once in a while. That movie's so good. Yeah. Um, no, honestly, it was such a like. I remember whenever me and Mac wa- watched it for the first time, we were like, you know, sixteen. So this was close to ten years ago. Yeah. And, you know, it was just such an unreal experience. Like, it was just like, wow, technology's come this far. Like, it was well, no, like- even when we were watching it, we were both like, we we couldn't figure out during a bunch of different parts. Like, there were parts where, like, we thought it was half CGI and, like, half real actors. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's why I really like, I mean, whenever we watched it, I want to say that's, like, the first movie that I can really remember confusing me like that like other than that movies before i'd been easily able to tell if it's cgi or person like that was the first movie that i was like holy shit they finally done it like they they've basically been able to replicate my human vision yeah which even then like i'm pretty sure beowulf was pretty old by that point by the time you and i were yeah it came out in 2007 2007 yeah yeah Really? 2007? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, dude, we're, we're watching it in like 20, what, 14, 2013? Yeah, around then. And like, we were just like, holy crap. That's crazy. Um. Okay, so we have, uh, I think, officially gotten into the Battle of Scarif. Um, I have a few notes, but I mean, overall, I really, really enjoyed this battle. I mean... The constant switching between like the battle on the ground to the battle uh, above the planet to uh, Jen and uh, Cassian and K2SO like infiltrating the base like 
I felt like pacing was really good. The action was really good. Um, I I really like this. This might be one of my favorite battles in Star Wars. Really? Yeah. I like seeing AT-ATs again. That moment, that moment where the AT-ATs come out of the smoke is the mist, amazing. Yeah. yeah. Um, I am. Oh, I was gonna say like really. My only notes were like the really that. That battle was just – it was kind of cool because, like, it just kind of illustrated how, like, the ships above and the people below, like, work together for yeah. the common cause to get the yeah. plans. Like, it, it just kind of – like, in a very basic way, it illustrated the point yeah. of getting the plans. Well, well, and I saw a thing the other day that was, like – the Battle of Scarif, Scarif is what inspired Han and Admiral Akbar to come up with a plan for Jedi. Like using a stolen enemy ship to go through oh, yeah. a base that's fortified by a shield and make entry into a planet. Yeah, okay, that's a, that is a really good point. Um, there's a moment during the battle where... Um... Uh, they're above the planet, and the little complex that uh, opens and closes the shield around the planet, where, like, 50 or 60 TIE fighters just fly out at once from the same hangar. And I was just like, there's so many of them. So many TIE fighters. Yeah, well, back to yeah there's, there's a shot where you can see how many TIE fighters are in those hangar bay. It, it's really quick. It's whenever they're entering the, the shield gate, our, our heroes are. And you can you get to look in one of the hangar bays because I saw it too today. And I was like, man, that's a lot of TIE fighters. Yeah. Um, Sorry, Tech, what were you saying? Oh, I was just saying uh, in that part, I just thought it was really cool. Like speaking again about the no nostalgia thing, like with the – uh, the binocs and the like, the monocles and all that stuff. Like, the Tie Fighter noise is forever something that, like, to me, just is Star Wars. Yeah. Like that Tie Fighter, and, and that's why, like that, I cranked it up whenever I like saw the Tie Fighters coming up, like coming out. I cranked the volume up because I wanted nice. to hear, them, and yeah. it was there. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, what do we think about Red and Gold Leader coming back? Yeah, oh, I also wanted to talk about Blue Squadron as well. Uh, well, Blue Squadron was new for this, right? Because right. Red and Gold Leader are from Episode 4. Right. And you can tell they're from Episode 4. And we don't get Blue Squadron because they get obliterated here. Did they all die? I know the general of Blue Squadron dies. Yes, the general dies, and I think anyone on the planet probably died in the explosion. So, oh, yeah. and then we had several members die um, crashing into the shield as it closed. We had several members die fighting TIE fighters on the planet. And we had three surviving members who made it, who didn't crash into the uh, shield, but didn't make it into the planet. So they probably fought in, you know, the battle above. Uh, but I'm guessing if any of them did survive, they were probably just put into either Red or Gold Squadron. Yeah, and they used old footage. Yeah, of the original Red and Gold Squadron leaders, which I didn't mind. I mean, you could kind of tell that it was old footage, but it got cleaned up really well, and it didn't bother me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I thought it looked better than 
what we see from, you know, like the Tarkin footage and stuff. Right. It probably helps that it was like, it was quick. It, there was, you know, other things going on. They had the helmets on. And they're just cockpit scenes. Yeah. They're yeah. really close up. They're, there wasn't much to clean up there. Like Tarkin, like he's saying really like crisp lines and like you need him to move from this area to this area or have certain facial expressions like you know in those old battle scenes especially from episode four like half of the leaders are just you know singing there in their cockpits and they're like yes we're five meters away from target right here we go everyone here Everyone here in their cockpits. Nobody move their faces. Just your lips. Yeah, yeah. Um. So, yeah, no, I thought it was really cool getting to see them again. I really like that we got to see Blue Squadron before, you know, RIP, I guess. Um. But overall, I really just enjoyed this battle. Um, yeah. I think... Uh, my next note really is the when they're in the data center trying to get the plans. Yeah, but I have one. Does anybody know what those Tie Fighters were? Those really weird looking ones. Yeah, I'm not sure. I I'll look that up while you talk about them. Which ones are you talking about? So they had like a. It looked like a troop transport on the bottom, and then like two triangle Tie Fighter wings on the top. And they were trying to kill oh. the blue squadron guys that yeah. were coming in. Yeah. So in the video game, um, I think it's it's called Squadrons. It came out like a couple weeks. I mean, I'm sorry, a couple years ago. Um, very, very, very good Star Wars space simulator, by the way. Excellent. But those are your support ship. They're called U wings. No, U wings oh. are rebel ships, bro. Well, I'm sorry, but they're like in, the Imperial side has the version. Same thing. Yes, the okay. they're tie strikers. Okay. Tie strike. Okay, yeah, yeah, but they're 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 the same. Like in that game, they're your support ship. They're how you reload and all their stuff like that. Mm. Yeah, because I played a lot of that game and I loved it. But like, it's yeah, basically but they are. I heard so cool. many negative reviews of Star Wars Squadrons that I had never I played. Really, it. I will say I really enjoyed it. I really did. Um, Tuck is right. We do get to see U wings on the rebels, because uh, that's what that one like monkey ish. Uh, yeah, I know what a U wing is. Yeah, they're sh- the they've got the gunner that's shooting out the legs of the ATHs. Yeah. Also, an amazing scene. Yeah, that scene where all the ATHs like crumble. I yeah. love that part. Like they sh- literally shoot the leg and it just crumbles, or the one they blow the middle. Out of the ATAT, which I mean, we all know that like the middle of the ATATs are actually the troop transports. Like that's where all your troops are. Right. Just to haul it out, troop transport. But yeah, tie strikers, very cool. Yeah. Okay. So they're yeah, stealing plans. Cool. So they're but stealing what? plans. Uh, Hyperspace tracking. Really, the only thing that um, I had to note was we talked about this in the last one is uh, the importance of Stardust, and that being what her father labeled the plans to the Death Star under. And hyperspace tracking. Yeah. We get to see a little hyperspace tracking. I'm very interested about all those projects that they were talking about, because there's projects like War Mantle, Black Saber, 
which of course could be in reference to the dark saber oh maybe maybe it's in reference to that one hut that built a giant lightsaber in space that could cut through planets maybe um but yeah, I really I don't have a lot of notes for here. I was just wait. Tuck it. is the EU boy. What what's your opinion on these project names, Tuck? Tell us, because there's Good Project question. War Mantle, there's the hyperspace tracking, which of course we saw later in the sequels. Project, you know, Black Saber. Tell us, please. So honestly, I don't know what those are, but um, but I will say like that scene just made the um like and i'm i'm not normally a conspiracy theorist kind of guy but like that that made the conspiracy theorist in me come out where it's like oh wait this governing body that <laughs> is the bad guy is doing all this like scary stuff what yeah. is this stuff i want to know for sure and, uh, and also like you know random people on the internet like if you can tell me what these are, I'd greatly appreciate it because yeah. I would love to. I would love to understand what it is because I, I honestly I don't know. I'm sure really some don't. some of these have been answered at some point. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I, I love like crazy, like especially like in in the Star Wars universe, like crazy like conspiracy type things. Yeah. Like, uh, like what was the the one where uh, Emperor Palpatine dies and it's Operation. Um, Storm. But like Thunder. basically just obliterates things. Yeah. Because we died. Um it's it's is it Firestorm? No, it's um Phoenix. Um Well are you talking about from the Battlefront video game? Yeah. Because that's called Operation Cinder. That's right. That's what I'm thinking. And there's yeah. many different facets of Operation Cinder. Elijah doesn't yeah. know because he still hasn't finished the campaign of Battlefront 2 and it's you been out since like 2016. Yet. Yeah, I downloaded yeah, but... it, played it for five minutes, and then it was just taking up space on my console for about three months, and then I deleted it again. I'm sorry, boys. I'll and get there actually, eventually. Uh, I was talking about it earlier, but like Squadrons actually has an, um, they have a component of Operation Cinder in there too. Oh, that's awesome. Like at, the end of the, at the end of that campaign, they, they talk about Operation Cinder because the last battle, you're you're participating and or stopping it. Yeah. Because you play both sides in the game. But. Oh, that's really cool. That's really cool. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay, then we get K2SO's death. No, K2SO doesn't die. K2SO dies, and he dies hard hard here sorry friend he has so many blaster holes in him no he doesn't hey but i'll give you this they may have downloaded his memory somewhere so he could come back scarif blew up what do you mean where'd they download no, before, it he blew up before they left before they left like the the rebels might have had his memory on like stored somewhere probably oh, he's, not. he's actually dead sorry man he's dead he's uh, well, dead I was trying to cheer Mac up, but yeah, sorry. He only lives in my heart. I'm a goner. Somebody That's all. Catch myself. Soul. I don't remember. <laughs> um. Yeah, but I I really do think K2SO is one of the saddest deaths in Star Wars. I know I text you guys that, but you know I I stand by my words. 
Yeah, no, I mean, honestly, the scene where his lights, like, his eyes fade out, that got me. Like, yeah. when, like you truly know he's dead. Yeah. But that that really hurt. And that then... Big, big I, owl on that one. I don't <laughs> have anything until uh, Jin and uh, Andor are on the beach, so... I did not what? take a lot of notes. Chirrut dies. I know. He dies like right after K2. I know. I just, at that moment, I was just like, I'm just going to watch. I'm just going to watch and enjoy. Chirrut dies, and then Baze goes out in kind of like a blaze of glory, I guess. Yeah. And then the, our pilot boy gets blown up too. Yeah, Bodhi. And he literally says, that, like, he sends off the message. He's so happy that he finally did something good. And he knows he got it right. And then he says, this is for Galen. And then a grenade literally gets <laughs> tossed inside of the ship and he blows up. It's really sad. I don't know why I'm laughing. But it, just the way you describe it. I mean, that sucks. I mean, that's my whole problem with this movie is, that, like, I get that it's supposed to add to the overall story of Star Wars. And it does. I will not say that it doesn't. Yeah. I'm not saying that Rogue One does not add to the Star Wars story. Yeah. I'm just saying, is it needed? And it's like the Andor series. Do we really need the Andor series? I, I really do think it's, I think it's. I think it's needed. Give me a Dexter Jetster series. Yeah. No, I, I don't know. I think you can watch Star Wars without it, but I think it makes Star Wars better if you do watch it. Rogue One, definitely. Yeah. Andor, we'll see. Yeah. But We will see. But Rogue One, I think it, it does help. And also, like, to your point of, like, uh, people dying and, like, like, for instance, like, he just saved everyone... Like Bodhi, and the grenade just gets tossed in. Also, though, isn't that realistic? Like, I hate to be the cynical cold one here, but like, but isn't that sometimes how people die? Is yeah. like in ways that, like, you know, you just did the greatest thing and you're the hero, but your hero moment gets cut short because some other dude tossed a grenade in there. Like, I, I just yeah, think that that's, that's, like, that's, that's somewhat fine. Yeah. yeah. That's fine, but that's not the usual Star Wars story we get. And I think that's, like, the big difference of Solo and Rogue One is that, like, Solo was our heroes that we're always accustomed to seeing. And our heroes lost in Solo. Yeah. And they lost in Rogue One, but like more people were okay with them all losing in Rogue One because you knew that everybody had to die in Rogue One. Right, right. Yeah. And then our heroes lose in Solo, and everybody gets so mad over Solo, but like we know that these people, one, can't die besides like the characters that we've never met before because, right. well, we've never met them before, so they have to die. Right. I'm just saying there's a reason my wife has seen Solo and not Rogue One. Oh, I. <laughs> I can just tell, just your luck, it's going to be her favorite one whenever she watches it. Probably not. I mean, she watches Star Wars to make me happy. She, I don't think she really cares one way or another. Wow. She really cares about you, and that's what, what, that's what matters. That's true. Okay, well, what else, what else do you guys have before the beach? 
The hammerheads. Oh, yes. Okay, I wasn't even thinking about that. That was freaking sick. Which, the hammerheads, and I hope Tuck knows, the hammerheads got bra brought back from the EU. Yeah. Yeah, those, like, before that movie, they didn't, like, they weren't It didn't in exist. Anything. Yeah, yeah. But also, the ha like, the hammerheads, it really, really reminds me of, like, their other escape ships. Like, they're smaller... Um, they aren't capital ships. They're um, frigates. Like it yeah. reminded me of the, the frigates. Um, but they just have a huge rammer on the end. Yeah. But also, again, I think that's very realistic of like a a naval type battle, which is, I mean, you know, the the Empire and the Rebels both call their ships a navy right in star wars it's a navy right um and uh, like you know space is their sea and i just thought that was really cool that yeah, I mean, it right. makes sense space yeah. since man has explored space space has always technically fallen under maritime law yeah yeah that's how they rule things in space actually is everything has always fallen under maritime law and the thing about the hammerheads in rogue one was Rogue, the hammerheads had never been used in this way before, and that's why General Radis's idea was such like a big idea, and that's why we never see it again. Is because then the Empire started to learn new maneuvers and stuff like that because right. they knew that like this could be a detrimental thing that the rebels could use against us. So yeah. that's why we don't see it again. But for this one time, it was pretty it cool, was really, right? And it was really it was it also was very situational, like the power on that ship had went out, I'm sure it wouldn't have been able to ram it, at least as well, if it was still operational. No, they had to use everything they had. Yeah. To even move a Star Destroyer that was Just essentially floating. dead stick. Yeah. It was dead stick, yeah. 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 And also, I mean, just ship to ship, it's easily ten times their size. Right. So oh, you even bigger. You'd have to only be in space where there's no weight <laughs> to be yeah. able to move it. Well, because yeah. the, the Hammerhead class is, I believe, the same class as the Tantai Four, which, Tuck is right, it's a frigate. It just has a different head on it. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, that, again, I think one of just a super iconic Star Wars moment. Like I will, I'll give you that. Maybe overall, it's not the best Star Wars film. Okay, but like there are just some fantastic moments in this film that I think really make it worth watching. Like the Hammerhead so moment. Yeah, like I said, it's it is one dimensional. Some of the lines are definitely uh, fanfare, but it's something that I think is important to watch as a Star Wars fan because it leads so perfectly into A New Hope. Yeah. At least once. You know, I, I'm not saying it has to be, like, every time you do a Star Wars watch-through, you have to watch Rogue One, but I think at least once you need to watch uh, Rogue One. I think I'll be yeah. putting Rogue One back on the shelf for quite some time. Quite some time. Well. But also, you did see it, and it does help A New Hope. Yeah. No, I'm not taking away from that, but I also think, and... I have thought this since Mandalorian comes out. Since Mandalorian came out, excuse me. I think Star Wars should be a TV show at this point in yeah. our time. I'm yeah. not saying Star Wars should never return to movies. 
I'm not saying that any Star Wars movie we get after this point will be bad. I think Rogue One would have been a better TV show. I think that Solo would have been a better TV show. Yeah. Yeah. And I love Solo. Just give them a little more a little more time to actually develop the characters, their relationships and build that climax. I I could see that. Cuz I mean, think about it. Think it I mean, we all wanted it. We're all diehard Obi-Wan boys. We all love the prequels. Think about if they would have given us an Obi-Wan movie opposed to an Obi-Wan show. Yeah, cuz we would have not had the same feelings. You couldn't you couldn't have the same emotional attachments that you do during a serial as you do for a movie because you know a movie is very limited. Right. Yeah. Even if you say that it's a two and a half hour movie. I mean, we we've talked about it before on the show, Elijah. Um the extended versions of Lord of the Rings. Already long movies, but think about how much more you get with those extended versions as opposed to the regular two hour to two and a half hour movie. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. The extended editions, if you're watching Lord of the Rings, that's that's the way you gotta go because you get so much more context. You get a lot more heart and everything too. Yeah. And I mean I, I think if you would have done this movie as a serial, I think I personally would have cared more about what was going on. Because I'm just gonna be honest, after this watch through, I probably won't watch Rogue One again. That's okay. I mean you know, that's your Star Wars, and I mean, what what have we been saying since our very first episode? Your Star Wars yeah. is your Star Wars. Hundred percent. Um, I'm trying to find something that will tell me how long the total Obi Wan Kenobi runtime is. But from episodes one to episode three, uh, sorry, episode one to episode five, the runtime is 228 minutes. Uh, and that's excluding um, the last episode, so... So that's almost four hours. Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean... Three hours, 48 minutes. They, uh... Three hours, 48 minutes. And the last one, I think, was the longest episode, too, wasn't it? So we're probably looking at close to five hours of total time. Like, there's no way yeah, they could have fit that in a movie. That's what I'm saying, is if we would have gotten an Obi-Wan movie, they would have had to have chopped so much of the things of the show that that were really important moments. Because if you look at, like, a movie, like, because honestly, people making movies, the only thing they care about is the money and also, like, the, the amount of viewers watching the movie. And other than absolute diehards like us and our fans out there, like, not many people would be willing to watch a five-hour movie. That's yeah. that's not that's not realistic for people making. Release the four-hour edition of Revenge of the Sith. Release the four-hour edition, you cowards! I would watch it, but also too, if it was playing in a theater, I can guarantee you it would probably be just us in the theater, boys. Yeah, it was yeah. Just kind of the boys, no, I completely, I completely agree. Dude, Tuck. if it wasn't just us in the theater, I wouldn't go. I hate the movie theater. <laughs> I wait until everything gets released on video on demand these days. Yeah. Uh, so really, my um, my last note for the Battle of Scarif is I think the moment on the beach where they're just sitting there they're watching their inevitable end come knowing that they 
they succeeded. They got the message out, but they're gonna die anyway. Like, I think this is one of the most powerful moments in Star Wars. And I didn't get it the first time. The first time I was like, oh, they should have kissed and been in love, or they should have escaped and blah, blah, blah. But, like, I got it this time, and it, it hit. Like, I actually teared up this watch through at this moment. My only thing is that Krennic only took one shot, and that I think that was, like, my own fault, is that, like, you know, like, Star Wars bad guys, like, we expect this, like, big fight to happen. Right. And Krennic was, like, our bad guy, and that didn't happen, and that's fine. I, he's just a human. I mean... Yeah, he is. He's just a human. I want to be a cool Star Wars hero. I'm getting one-shotted, just being honest. Oh, yeah, 100%. Any of us, yeah. But, I mean, it just kind of made me sad that, like, our big bad for this story, like, literally took one shot, and that was it. And then the fact that they only used... Yeah. I mean, if if they would have made Krennic into, like, he had, like, some mutant power or something, like, it it would have been too far-fetched. Yeah. 100%. But, like, the fact that they only used single reactor ignition to destroy Scarif as well. Like, oh. that wasn't even the Death Star at full power. Again. Yeah, but they weren't destroying the whole planet. They were just blowing up the base. Yeah. Yeah, so, I, I mean, that was just a note that I had. And then also how poetic it was that Krennic was killed by his own his own machine. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. But I also That's think all I really have. If they would have blown up the planet, it would have take it would have taken away from Alderaan. Like, yeah, Alderaan of course would have still been blown up, but Tarkin says, you know, it's time for a demonstration of its power, something like that. So it would have took away from that moment. Yeah, and you can't have it be more powerful than what we see in episode four. Yeah. Yeah. Uh Tuck, how I mean, ending of the battle Scarf getting blown up, at least that part of it, the base. How how you feeling? Um, it's it's a good ending for the story. I mean, it, it really is kind of like what everything's been building to. Um, and I really like. So also, I'm a I'm a big like Western fan. I love Western movies. Yeah. Um, especially like spaghetti westerns from like the '60s, '70s. I like that kind of stuff. And that was almost like the last like duel with like Krennic was like it was it was almost like that like he walks in, boom 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 he gets shot and he's like nursing a gut shot wound and like the hero of the story is also nursing a gut shot wound they both got shot like it's just it it was kind of because um, honestly like one time I've heard Star Wars compared as a space western yeah and it yeah. almost is. Um, and it was just kind of a, like, I was okay with that. I thought that, like, that was honestly, like, not too out of the style. Yeah. Star Wars is definitely part of a spaghetti western. I mean, some of the themes, especially, like, when you think, to, like, of Luke staring at the twin suns, and part of Luke's theme is a total spaghetti western. Yeah. Yeah. And also, I think that's, and the other thing is, like, just the time. I mean, it was 1977 when that first movie came out. That was also the height of the spaghetti western. So I mean, obviously, those movies like George Lucas took some some uh, some things off of westerns. I mean, that's very much like part of the deal. But 
but that's kind of what I thought about the Krennic scene was that, like it just reminded me a lot of an old western. Yeah, I thought it was kind of cool. For um, sure. And then um, I, you know, they sent the plans, which for me is the whole point of the movie. Right. That's honestly where like the movie could have ended right there, and I would have been okay with it. Yeah. Because they sent the plans, it's over with. Um, and then also like the uh, I honestly like as far as the romance in that scene, I think that's a little bit unneeded. Yeah, no, like, I I totally agree. Do they really need to kiss. That just kind of like seemed a little a little bit like taking liberties to me. Yeah, um, no. Honestly, like the whole rest of the movie. I don't know. I call me crazy, but I couldn't really see that much of a relationship between them. Yeah. And then like you, the kiss was kind of forced. No, um, I, I totally agree. Like I said, it was my first watch through, that's what I was expecting, but no, no, they didn't. Yeah. They just hugged. But like, that's what I thought. I was like, I don't, I don't, well, they don't think kiss. they kissed. No, no, they just hold each other until, um, until they get blown up. I think it's which I thought was great. Yeah, I thought that was great. Yeah, I didn't like I said I didn't really get it the first time. I was like, oh, they should have kissed, but like I I got it this time that the romance just was not needed. Yeah, I mean, basically, even still, like their their hug even was still romantic. Yeah, I mean, would y'all not agree with that? Like that's still. I don't think it was romantic. I think it was. Jin finally understood everything that Cassian had been fighting for his entire life. And he finally knew that she understood him. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I think if either of us, you know, any combination of the two of us were on a beach about to get blown up, I'd probably hold you guys. I would. No romance. I'd hold you too, but, like, it just seemed a little bit like... And maybe it's because... The giant blast in the background looks like a sunset on a that beach. That is true. Like maybe, looked, maybe just to me it looked a little romantic, and like I just thought that like that, that was a little bit unnecessary. Yeah. No, but, I and, I get that. But um, but anyways, I mean, I I think like you could have accomplished the same exact thing with like cutting to the base being blown up, and us never seeing them hugging. Like yeah. it, it would have never like. I don't think it would have taken anything away. And so, like, to me, it just kind of seems a little bit um, overzealous. But um, but anyways, like, or I'm sorry, it, it seems a little bit like, um, yeah, just taking liberties. You know you know what I mean? But, um, yeah. but anyways, like, I, I really, I like the way that the movie turned out. And um, really, I mean... That's kind of all I have as far as that last scene there. Yeah. Um, okay, I think really all we have left is Vader's hallway moment. Yeah. Which, I mean, is one of the greatest Vader moments of all time. And I think it's a very easy thing to review. <laughs> because yeah. honestly, it's so good. It's so what Vader should have always been. Like, I understand, like, in the first couple of movies. Yes, yes, I'm so glad Tuck said it, because I'm here to defend it, baby. There are, like, there are CGI, like, boundaries that in the 70s and 80s we couldn't do. Right. Like, I'm okay with that. I'm totally okay with that. And, like, I like the way that the original movies are. But this, to me, growing up in a computer generated world like growing up in a world with the internet world with like prequel movies and all that stuff 
this just really hit Vader home. To, this yeah. really made him like a scary, menacing, top tier bad guy. And honestly, because of this one scene, like if you never see anything else because of this one scene, Vader is one of the best bad guys in cinema history, and I'm not exaggerating. No, I completely agree. I'm not arguing with that. I'm arguing with the fact that so many people had problems with Vader being as cool as he was in this scene. Watch the fight between Luke and Vader on Bespin again. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. He does the same moves. He uses the same force strength. It's not any different. The only fact is that we had better technology when Rogue One came out. Yeah. Also, it's, I think, a big point to remember. It's who he's fighting. Luke knows, I mean, Luke is becoming a Jedi at this point. He knows how to use a lightsaber. Like, he's putting up an actual fight. These rebel soldiers are just not strong enough to actually fight Vader. They are sheep getting slaughtered to him. And you even, you even see that with, like, Anakin versus, like, anyone in, like, yeah. the Clone Wars series. I mean, like, who besides, like, Count Dooku and Obi-Wan... And then also, like, Mace Windu in training yeah. have ever really been a fight for Anakin. Right. Honestly. Yeah. Aside from Luke and Ahsoka. Those were real fights. But other than that, I mean, he's completely crushed every opponent. Yeah. And this was a great illustration of that. For sure. Uh, cool. I think my last thing, which we've already really talked about, so I don't think we need to go in-depth with it, was my last night with CGI Leia. Seeing her again. I was totally okay with it. I was happy to see Leia, even if it was just for a moment. I was too. Just some very small things. Yeah. And, and again, they're story-wise small. They don't matter. But like, that's where like you know Mac has Tarkin. Like for me, like Leia looked a little goofy. Like yeah. she didn't look properly like herself. But also, again, it's CGI. It was a long time ago. Like, compared to, like, whenever we are broadcasting this versus, like, when the movie came out. Right, right. And, and you know, it, it's okay, but, like, that's that's my one, like, critique is that she doesn't look quite like young Carrie Fisher. Yeah. But that's also, like, that's just the way it is. No, I, I get it. Also, I don't know if you guys have seen, uh, talking about uh, Leia... Uh, have you guys watched Stranger Things? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I've, I've seen several seasons. I haven't seen all of it, but cool. I've seen... Well, yeah. no spoilers, but um, there are rumors going around that Millie Bobby Brown, the person who plays Elle, that they're trying to cast her in a uh, Star Wars film or Star Wars TV series, some future Star Wars project, and a lot of people are calling for her to be uh, Leia. That'd be fun. Yeah. I could see it. Yeah, right. As long as she can, my thing is, as long as she can get Leia's voice correctly. Yeah, like as long as she can get the um, her accent correct, that yeah. would be my deal. No, I, yeah. I, I definitely think she could. Um, go like watch watch an episode, you know, whenever you start watching the newest season, and then go watch some interviews of her and like who she is versus who L is is just so drastically different. You know, like some characters or some actors play characters are, that are like who they are. And so it's there's not really a difference between the two, but 
Millie Bobby Brown and Elle are just completely different people, and so it, I feel pretty confident that she could do a good. No, Leia. she could definitely do like a adolescent Leia would be so good. Yeah, yeah. Like the um, she could play a Leia in between Kenobi and like like a Rebels Leia. Yeah, she could do a Rebels Leia like really well. Which and, and I also, mean, go ahead. Oh, I was doing um like. For instance, like maybe not season two, but like if we got like a season three of Kenobi, yeah, it'd be perfect. Yeah, because and- she'd be like you know like you know between thirteen and sixteen, and that would be like I think really cool. Yeah, and I think uh, Millie Bobby Brown is like eighteen or nineteen now, so she's right at Leia's age in Episode Four. So I mean. Give it a few years, and maybe we could see a project between episode four and five, or five and six, you know? I think there's a lot of possibilities there. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, because that's the other thing is, like, um, a lot of people feel like I... Like, people don't understand how much time is in between each movie. Right. Like, each Star Wars movie is just a snapshot. Yeah. Yeah. Of a specific time. And I think that, like, you could really do a lot with the time in between the movies. For sure. In any sense, you could do that. Well, boys, that's all I have for Rogue One. You guys got any last notes? I think Um, that's it for me. Cool. Yeah. I mean, for me, just to sum up, like, it's got some issues, but it is still, I think, a good Star Wars movie. Yeah, for sure. I I completely agree. Yep. Um. So what's next? And it, it may not be the next episode that we put out because we have a couple episodes recorded, and I'm not exactly sure how I'm gonna air everything. But really, what's big to look out for is um we're gonna be doing an official ranking of all um all of the live action films, so one through nine, and then Solo and Rogue One, uh, and we'll just be talking about our like which is our least least favorite to most absolute favorite film. Um and then if you guys have any questions, you can email us at animalsquadron at gmail.com. Again, that is animalsquadron at gmail.com. We would love for you guys to be a part of this conversation. For the Animal Squadron, this has been Mother Goose. And Low Tech Tuck. Low Tech Tuck, my boy. <laughs> End it. Just end it. Good lord, be done with Rogue One. Thank god we're done. (laughs) Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye.